episode, everyone. This is the Truth Seekers Podcast. We will be going through information that is in out, out in the world, and we will be searching for truth. We are going to be talking about millions of topics, maybe at some point, and trying to find the truth in everything, trying to help you guys better your lives. Sorry for the stutter. <laughs> All right. So this topic is we are going to be talking about truth. What is truth? And we have a bunch of questions that we will be trying to figure out. I don't know if this will help anyone, but we sure will try. All right, so the first question. Wait, I have to introduce my guest. Our guest is my dad. One of the most amazing people that I've ever known. He is very wise in a lot of topics. So I will be having him on for a lot of topics. Expect him on a lot of topics. You guys will be grateful to have him on the topics. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, dad, I think everyone would appreciate that. All right. Um, for those that don't know, obviously uh, I currently live in Honduras and work here as a missionary for the church. Um, basically most of my time is spent, uh, doing mission work for the church, whether it's here in Honduras or in Mexico or somewhere, uh, doing YouTube videos, helping people understand topics and themes around the restoration of the church, both in English and Spanish. Um, most of my boys, uh, for which there are four were born and raised in Honduras, uh, two girls that were born in the U.S., but raised in Honduras. And so we've got six kids with my wife, Joni. Um, and yeah, we just live here in Honduras trying to, to, to find uh, our niche uh, in the work of the Lord and uh, do his will. Which I think is amazing. The progress of you guys going down there and everything. I really will want to talk about that at some point, about everything you guys went through, because that will be very interesting. You guys pretty much went from a good lifestyle. I think it'd be cool to talk about just from the point of view that a lot of people don't know what they want to do for their life and maybe don't have any direction. And sometimes hearing someone else's testimony can help them have the courage to reach out in their own life. Right. That, that would be a better topic. I, that's a good idea. It's definitely a good idea. I'm going to have to write that down at some point. And... What else is I got? Oh, I will have to add your YouTube and Facebook onto the YouTube and Spotify. So if you could shout, shout out your YouTube. I think everyone that is listening to this, well, most everyone will already know who you are, but for all those who don't know you, what's your YouTube? Just look it up based on my name, Ronnie Gill. Ronnie Gill. There you go, guys. YouTube search. Come up. <clears throat> All right, that's perfect. All right, so let's get on the road. So, what is truth? If you could try describing that in your own words. Well, I think the first point about truth is to think about the fact that it needs to be something that we can trust in. It's got to be something solid, even if it's not a material object. 
uh, obviously, uh, material objects are excellent examples. For instance, a rock is a, uh, an excellent example. It's a material object that's solid. It has mass. It has weight. We can know a lot of information around about it. It, uh, you know, gravity is another one that's not a material object per se. We can't see it, but it affects our life. Obviously, if we walk off uh, the porch of our house without taking the stairs, we're going to trip and fall and hit the ground, and it's going to hurt because gravity exists. It's a truth. And that's really what we're looking for when it comes down to the gospel. We're looking for those truths that we can count on and depend on no matter what. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your language, your race, whatever. Uh, the truths of God are dependable always and everywhere. Right, which is very interesting. So if all the truths are dependable, would that mean that, well, they would be, there's another word for that. It's absolute truth. So absolute truth means that it does not depend on circumstances and is perfectly stable wherever it is. That's pretty much what yeah. you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is a very interesting thing to go through. Also, another point to it, which I'll add is, you really have to go through and name that thing like a rock. Sure, it's there, but until you name it, it's not really there. Does that make any sense? And it's not just there because you believe it's there. Because you can believe all you want that the rock's not there, but if you walk into it, you're going to hit it. You're going to hurt your shin or trip on it or something. I mean, it's there whether you believe it or not. Right. And if you're ignoring that, what do you think would happen? Well, you could get hurt, obviously. Um, a lot of things that could potentially happen. One of the important things to think about in my own mind, in my own perspective, when we're talking about truth, and of course, as you bring in absolute truth, and this is the ongoing need we have to learn and study. Uh, there's a story, an ancient uh, parable, so to speak, that I always think about when I think about truth. And I think about, you know, it was over in India, supposedly. There's an elephant and there's three blind men. And they're asked, or four blind men, I don't remember right now. But anyway, they're asked to describe what it is that's before them. And one walks over and grabs the snout of the elephant and feels it. And he says, well, you know, it's like this uh, very fat rope. Uh, another guy walks over to the side of the elephant and he's touching the side of the elephant. It's like, no, it's like a wall. It's like a, a firm wall that's unmovable. And another guy walks over and grabs the tail of the elephant. And he's like, no, it's actually a very thin rope, uh, very small and very short. And so, you know, each one of them were encountering truth, but each one of them only had a piece of the truth. And that's where we want to go if we're going to find absolute truth. All of us know something, you know, uh, from something so simple as knowing the alphabet, from something so simple as knowing what one plus one is. Those are the small truths. They're the building blocks, you might say. Uh, but eventually, we want to keep discovering until we find out what the whole elephant is. Because when we finally find out what the whole elephant is, now we've got uh, a more complete picture. And that's pretty important in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we have a lot of building blocks that we learn in the beginning. And sometimes, if we allow ourselves to be sucked in by pride or arrogance, 
will say, well, I know something, therefore I know everything. And that's not true. The guy that grabbed the elephant's tail knew something, but he didn't know everything. And that's where we have to be careful to always be humble. There may be more information that we need to get to have a bigger picture and a more complete and accurate picture. Right. So that's why communication and talking with other people about truth is so essential in all this. Because if we're not talking about all this and looking for the truth and seeing everyone's perspective, we are only looking at the tail, which isn't very productive in the long run. I mean, it's a piece of information and it's a valuable piece of information. Right. But then you have to build from there. And that's why there's a good scripture. Go ahead. And that's why the whole church as a whole is important because maybe one person is very good in one topic. The other person is very good in another topic. And then if we can all join together and be a church, be responsible at it all, we can look through all the information and find what is truth. That makes sense, right? Yep. Right. And of course, uh, Paul tells us that each person who builds is building on one foundation. And so each one of us has a part in the building process. And based on our experiences in life, based on where we've lived in life, based on our education, each one of us may have a focus in the gospel. And that doesn't mean someone else is wrong or their focus is wrong. Because, you know, one person in the church may focus entirely on history of the world you know, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, for instance. Another person, that might bore them to death, but if they're really good at accounting, they may be able to help with the financial truths of the church. And so there's all these different aspects that come together, both on spiritual levels and physical levels. And this is why it says in the New Testament that God gives unto everyone gifts. And those gifts are the things that we bring into the church. They're the things that we, we like to do, we're good at, and we begin to build this church, this temple, which is a spiritual temple. And so each one of us in a certain way is a cement mason and we're laying bricks. And the bricks that we're laying have to do with who we are and what, you know, what our, our focus and goals in life are. Right. That's very interesting. All right. So this is another question. What do you think is the best way to seek out truth? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to understand where the wellspring of truth is. You know, it, like the elephant per se, um, it took a third person looking on to be able to tell the blind man that grabbed the tail, hey, there's more to this than just what you're seeing. Other than wise, the blind man could have created an entire scientific theory and hypothesis based on the little piece of information that he knew. And so when we understand where truth uh, flows from, where its wellspring is, so to speak, then we know where to begin building. And earlier I had mentioned that there was a scripture verse in Matthew chapter 7 that to me kind of gives the, the, the groundwork for us, helps us. So, sorry, helps us set the base for us. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house on a rock. 
And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall thereof. And so we have a... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we have this foundation, this rock, and this rock is Jesus Christ himself. And when we build on this rock, we have something solid to go from. Now, to keep this from getting too esoteric, per se, too mysterious, to say, uh, this rock, we can compare it to gravity. And so if I'm going to build anything, a skyscraper, a bridge, whatever, I have to take into account gravity. Gravity is an absolute truth. If I take into account gravity, I'll be able to build a reliable building. However, if I pretend gravity doesn't exist for me, if I say, well, gravity is just one of those things that it exists if you believe it does, but if you don't, it doesn't. And I build a building without believing in gravity, I'm destined for trouble. And that's what this passage is saying. And of course, we can apply this to every aspect of our life. And so you think about um, the smartest guys in the world, whoever they may be for any given person. How did they get there? Of course, they got there through an obvious channel. Study, read, learn. Those are the truths. That is the gravity for our mental mind. Uh, but if we think, you know, I, my plan is to be the smartest guy in the world, but I never read a book. I never go to school. I don't want to go to school. I quit school or, or you know, whatever. Uh, we're not going to get to where we want to go. And so in order for us to become our goal of the smartest person, our gravity, the rock we've got to build on is this continual plan of studying, learning. And of course, that goes across everything. You think about, you know, relationships, boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, you know, you're a teenager. Uh, when you graduated to become a teenager, anyone walk over to you and give you the manual of how to date and uh, find a girlfriend? No, uh, sadly, you know, no. Things don't, like that <laughs> don't exist. Yeah, it's true in parenting also. Which is interesting. Do you think, like these things, it would be good to go and seek those parents that are parents and have been good parents and try to see how they can help you. That would be one oh, way to look for truth, right? Think, yeah, I definitely think that's important. There's a wonderful passage that I love. It's one of my favorite. I can't tell you exactly where it is at this very moment, but I'm pretty sure it's in the book of Proverbs. Uh, but essentially what it says is the community is saved because of the multitude of counselors. The community is lost for a lack of counselors. And I think that's true in everything we do. You know, me as a person, when I'm gonna get a job, when I'm going to get married, uh, whatever it is that I'm planning to do or wanting to do, my best bet is to talk to good counselors. Now, if I want to create a savings plan, for instance, and save up per se to buy a car, uh, would my best bet be to go to a guy who's never saved a dime in his life and ask him how to do it? Definitely not. You That's see, not a good idea. 
we've got to figure out where to find the, the right wisdom. And so if I want wisdom on how to save money, I go to the guy who's had a lot of success doing it. If I want you know, to build a house, if I want to have a good relationship, uh, if I'm married, for instance, and my marriage is on the rocks, probably not a wise idea to go ask someone who's been divorced two or three times for marriage counseling. Better to find someone who's been married for 30, 40, 50 years and ask them for counseling. They know what it took to do it. And that's part of the whole idea of seeking for truth. Someone who's been successful has found a level of truth because truth always works. Right. And that's another thing. If you really look for truth, you can in input it into your own life and then you can be successful, which is just an amazing thought. And sorry if I speak too fast, but <laughs> so I'm trying to grasp these ideas because they're so important. Um, we're going to have to come back to some of these because I'm going to have to think through them just a little bit. So I'll go to the next question. All right. Why don't we read another scripture verse real quick? All right, let's do just that. Just while you're thinking about that, because it pertains to what we're talking about here in gaining knowledge. And this scripture verse is in Proverbs 9.9. 9. And to me, again, it's one of those integral things. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the questions, obviously, that sometimes haunts us is, do people actually want truth? Is that actually something that people in the world are looking for? But this passage, it says, Proverbs 9, 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. And so this is a truth. It's an absolute. It always works. In other words, you give a million dollars to a financially successful man, and he will be richer. You give a million dollars to a person who is living in the gutter and poor, and he will actually be poor. And this is proven out. All you have to do is get onto a Google search and search for people who have, you know, poor, the poorest of people who have won lotteries. They never got richer. They almost across the board ended up worse off than they were. That's interesting because I wonder how they actually get to that poor. Is it poorness? Is it actually they have lived a high lifestyle? So now they don't want to get out of it. So they're going into this, all this debt to stay in that lifestyle when they can't actually afford it. Well, what the another part of it is, another part of it is there's a lot of people who they don't really know how to live in the life that they live in. For instance, if I've lived on the street all my life and I suddenly win a lottery and so I go out and buy a mansion, Okay, uh, there's a lot of requirements that go with the mansion. Uh, you have to think about maintenance. You have to think about servants. You have to think about all these things that go with it. If I've lived on the street, I've never had to think about those things. But the rich person is already thinking about all those things because they have all those things. And so in a spiritual sense, which this is true in the gospel, whether you're talking about finances or whether you're talking about the, the, the truths, the mysteries, if you want to say, of the gospel itself. Um, it's really important because you've got to grow into them. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people open up the Bible and want everything all at once. But if you don't grow into it, you won't understand it. It won't help you. We've got to be able to grow into things. And that's whether true in life, 
whether it's wealth, money, whether it's relationship, whether, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, we've got to grow into it. If we don't grow into it, we'll fail at it. And that's why in school, you start in kindergarten or first grade, because if you went straight from diapers to 12th grade, uh, you know, whether it's calculus or whatever, you'd be lost. But if you grow into it, then all of a sudden you can understand it. Right. It's like you have to walk all those steps forward before you can actually reach the top. Reach the top. You can't just grab yourself and put yourself on top. That doesn't make any sense anyway. Why the heck would you do that? Also, another point is, have you heard about the Plato's cave? Plato's cave. So essentially what that was is actually another one that's very similar is Matrix. All of the people living in the Matrix didn't want to know that there is no such thing as the world they're living in, but they don't want to leave that world because it would ruin their life. One of the guys that actually left the imaginary world to the truth world wandered back to the imaginary world, which is really interesting. It's interesting how some people don't actually want truth. You actually... I think that guy actually didn't even seek out the truth. And that's why he wanted back. And if you put that in real life, it would make things interesting. And this is why the Bible is built on parables and prophecies. And the prophecies are built on symbolism. So how do you understand a parable? You know, in Jesus' time, he told his disciples, I speak in parables, so they, hearing, don't understand. But you, hearing, do understand. Now, what was the difference between his disciples and the rest of the people that his disciples would understand and other people wouldn't? His disciples had already shown a desire to learn. And see, that's the learning process. Prophecy is the same. You know, how many times have people opened up the book of Revelations and wanted to instantly understand everything that's in it? And of course, if you start getting into the religious world, you'll find a million different ideas of what the book of Revelations mean. Things so far out, it's hard to even imagine. Uh, But all of it has to do with people wanting to know, but not really wanting to know. And so they establish essentially their own Plato's cave of their mind. They lock the door. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole idea of you've got a bird in a cage and you're going to let the bird free. You open the cage door and say, you're free to go. The bird thinks about it a second, says, he feeds me, he waters me. If I leave, I've got to find my own water and my own food. And so the bird walks over and shuts the door. He's a smart bird. And humans are no different in that sense. Oftentimes, to gain knowledge means we have to change something in our life. It means we may have to... Uh, change the way we think, the way we act, whatever it is. And so rather than risk, we just shut the door in the cave. Right. Rather than go forward, we stay where we are, which is interesting. All right. So let's go to the next question. Is there only one truth? That's a very interesting one. Like, Okay, so like gravity, let's say gravity. 
is there only one way you can define gravity? Is there one right way to define gravity? Or are there many different right ways, correct ways to describe gravity? I'm not sure if you understand the question. I'm Absolutely. Um, and, and it's a complicated answer. That's the, that's the fact. In fact, a lot of people don't actually really understand the answer per se. The simple answer is yes, there is only one truth. The complicated answer is no. Why? Everyone has built because all this. Because when you're truths. learning your alphabet, all that you know as truth is the alphabet. Now, once you've taken the alphabet and learned how to read, now you have another layer of truths. And so as you progress in your physical and spiritual life, you gain levels in your levels of understanding. And so, you know, uh, when we're growing in this world, we have levels of truths that are building one upon another. And if we continue to do it like an architect, and we can see this in the world of some of the most fantastical structures out there. You know, they begin knowing there's gravity. They built according to gravity, but eventually the best architects defy gravity. And right. that's an important thing to think about. And so it's not that gravity is not important, but if you understand what the rules are and you really understand what the rules are, you understand how you break the rules and get away with it, so to speak like gravity and so here on planet earth we can make anti-gravity rooms where astronauts can go in and practice walking in space and so we have the way in which we can break the rules so to speak and that's important to think about it's also dangerous because as we begin breaking rules we get begin making the world a more complex place okay so what i'm imagining is is there's this staircase there's everyone in different certain levels of truth which the higher you go the more you learn and the more it expands the lower you are the less it's expanded but you can't really understand the people that are three steps higher than you because they are too high for you to understand that's why we really need to go through yet. step up yes yes exactly <laughs> It's, I mean, you consider a person who is in a hot air balloon. When you're sitting on the ground, you have one point of view. As that hot air balloon slowly goes up, you get a different view and a different perspective. You know, there's an old saying that says, you know, you don't see the forest for the trees. And essentially, at ground level, if you're in the middle of a forest, all you see is trees. But how big's the forest? You don't really know. I mean, you think about the dwarves when they were going through uh, the forest where the spiders were. And, you know, it took uh, Frodo climbing up to the top of the tree to Bilbo. finally get a breath of fresh air to Bilbo, yeah, uh, to be able to see the whole forest and see where the exit was. That's important. And so at ground level, there was a truth. When he climbed to the top, all of a sudden he saw a bigger picture. And he saw, I wouldn't necessarily call it a new truth. But he had a personal revelation. We're not that far from the exit. And he was able to come down and then share that truth with the rest. Of course, we know that story. They weren't down there. But nonetheless, that's the idea. 
as we grow, as we go up the stairs, we turn around and we reach back and help the people behind us go up the stairs. And if we're doing that, we get this chain of people working together in unity to get to the goal, which is eventually God's kingdom. Right. And then also in that analogy, what's interesting is that um, how do you phrase it? I actually lost my whole plane of thought, so just forget about it. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. It all happens. Right. It's all right. <laughs> the point is we got to keep growing. And as we grow, and, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, the scripture itself says, judge not that you be not judged. And of course, it's not talking about judging sin. Obviously, if we see sin, we call out sin because sin is sin. It's again, it's an absolute per se. But the purpose for saying judge not is, is saying, stop a moment and consider what you're about to do. Think about this. Make sure you have all the knowledge. You know, the guy who grabs the elephant's tail's got a small piece of knowledge. If he tries to make a large decision on that small piece of knowledge, it may fail drastically. You know, let's say he's feeling the tail and he's about to buy a box to put this tail in for shipping it. Okay, you can imagine he's going to begin <laughs> to make a series of decisions that are going to fail. It's not going to work out. And that's the whole point of judging. And so when we go to church and we're looking across the auditorium and we look at it, there's certain people that are not present. There are certain people doing one thing or another thing. And <coughs> sometimes we want to start judging them. We want to start saying, well, you know, that person missed a church meeting. They're going to hell. Uh, this person is doing this thing, they're lost. And that judgment sometimes happens without the full picture. And that's what Christ is trying to tell us. Don't just grab the tail and make a choice, a decision. It might be premature. Find out all the details if it matters, if it's important. I mean, obviously, if it's not important, we're not about going around just rumor mongering either. And sometimes that's what we really want as people. We want the dramas of life. We want the soap operas of life. We're not really looking for truth. But if truth is really what's important, make sure you find out all the truth before you make any judgment calls. That way, your judgment call can be based on the evidences and the facts, not based on hypotheses in your head. Right. And even then, it's really hard to make a judgment call because even then, you might be missing a piece that you don't know about that's why it's really good to be humble always because if you're not humble and and look for those stuff it could be a disaster in some sense it could be like a mason that is forgetting one truth and builds a house on it like the rebar if he forgets the rebar the house could fall apart in like 10 years when you really want the house to last forever that's how tr I see truth. Yeah. You really want truth to last forever. And every action you do to last forever and be the right action, which isn't a really right. easy thing to do. Going through and looking for the truth and trying to make that action isn't really easy. And many people don't actually want to do that because it's too, it takes too much effort, which isn't really good because we really need to be responsible people and look for that truth. Yep. 
But, you know, taking in your idea of the rebar and masonry work, you know, is rebar necessary? And of course, we can understand that, yeah, it is. It's necessary to tie things together. And so then you ask yourself, okay, what is the real service? What is the real uh, work that the rebar is doing? When you truly understand the purpose of the rebar, you can break the rule because you can put in fiberglass, you can put in some other material that actually will do as good or maybe better than the rebar. So then the truth of needing rebar becomes not necessarily an absolute truth. It's a truth. Yes, rebar is important. But if it was an absolute truth, only rebar would be important. It's the only way that it would work. And that's not true. We can put in fiberglass. That is also a truth. And so we have two truths that work equally to a degree. I mean, you know, when we start getting into actually building construction, we can always evaluate which one works better, which one has longer longevity, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, a, it's an area where there may be many truths that work equally or roughly equally and no one only absolute truth where that might be different spiritually because to get into heaven, there may not be many truths. There may be a absolute path. I mean, that's kind of what Jesus indicated to us. He said, there's one path. It's a narrow path that leads to heaven. There is another path, but that is a wide path and it does not lead to heaven. And so when he talks about a narrow path, that means that there's not a lot of options. We shouldn't expect a lot of truths in there. In fact, we should expect a very narrow range of truths, whatever they absolute. And that's important to consider when we're studying. Right. And if you don't know those truths and instead of rebar, you put in sticks, that's not going to last long. That's not going to be an indefinite truth. So you really need to study your material before you try making an action that is not, is going to be something that you use later on. That's right. Because the sticks would just rot with time. Yes. So and very short time. It's, it's very similar to what's going on in the world right now. Like all these groups that are making these like homosexuality and stuff, changing genders, that's not absolute truth. There's only two genders. But if you start saying there's 40 genders, that's not taking absolute truth because there are, there is an absolute truth. There are only two genders. And if you try changing that and you go down the broad pathway, which I think is actually what everyone's doing when they go and try changing what God made, it's not going to be a good outcome in the end. Maybe we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but there will not be a good outcome if we try detaching from the absolute truth and making our own truth. Like you mentioned with the sticks, can you put sticks in cement? Will it work in the wall? Yes. Yeah. It is a truth. Is it a long truth that's going to have durability? No, it's not. And that's really what we see in the world, even in Christianity in general. When you start building on absolute truths, they move us forward in a direction that's important. And one of the things that's important to think about is what it says in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon tells us that God made man that they might have joy. And that's what we want to get to. We want to get to a point where, you know, at 15, I had one mentality. At 50, 60, or 70, 
I'm finally finding that I have truly accomplished my life's mission. I have peace. I have joy. I have contentment. I see my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and it just thrills me to see what they're choosing to do in, in their lives. You have been building in the right direction. You've got a wall that's going to stand the test of time. You've built with durable materials, and that's true about anything. When we haven't built with durable materials, yeah, maybe what we did worked. So I had two kids or three kids or however many kids, maybe one. And, you know, now when I'm 50, I find all my kids have went to the world. Well, that's like building with wood in your wall. Yes, every kid has a choice. We all have free will agency. But if you have built with the right materials, you built that something that's going to have longevity. And that's important. Now, you know. Does that mean that if I serve God and follow God, all my kids are going to follow God? Maybe not. But, you know, the percentage is going to be higher if I'm doing things right. If I'm doing things wrong, the percentage is going to be lower. And so that's why you find these people who have been Christians most of their life, and they're 50, 60, 70 years old, and they're bitter. They're bitter. They're angry. They're upset. Life has not been fulfilling. They're, you know, their kids don't want to see them. They don't want to see their kids. This is a house where all the wood rotted away and the foundation's cracking. The walls are cracking. It's, it's evident that at any moment it's going to fall in on top of you. And that doesn't give you happiness. Where when you choose to build on absolute truth, and this is why it's so important to start young. Because when you start young, you build a solid foundation that when you get old, you're happy with what you built because you can't build two lives. You only get one. And so it's best to build it the best you can from the get-go. And so the, 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 if we can get down to that firm foundation, the rock of Christ, and we can build on that, it gives us a better chance when we're old, whatever that old means to someone. <laughs> uh, but when we're old, it means that we're going to have happiness, contentment, you know, when you look at the New Testament of the Bible, even some of the disciples who were put in prison, uh, they were singing praises in prison, not even death, not even prison, not even torment could take away their joys because they built correctly. And that's the way we look at life. You know, I die one day, but my building, what I built, the, the, the thoughts I left, the actions that I left, they're now carried on by other generations is strong and firm. And that's what we want. We want to be able to know that I can pass away at any given time. And this massive structure is not just going to crumble to the ground. Right. I really like that analogy, especially because what you're, what I'm getting from it is searching for truth really brings joy in the end. And if we really seek for God, which God is truth, we really have, we really will have a joyful life and we will be very successful in our life. If we look for God and, and truth and everything about it. And yeah, a lot of people have different definitions of success, but whatever your definition of success, you can look for that truth, whatever your definition is and try to find that. And it might change over time, that definition of success, but if you look for it correctly and look for the truth of the matter, you will really have a joyful life, which is very interesting. 
just because many people nowadays aren't doing that. And I might be saying nowadays, but I don't even know what was happening before. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know, I like to consider the pyramids of Egypt. I like to consider the pyramids here in Central America of the Mayans, the Toltecs, uh, whoever. Um, take those pyramids as a metaphor for life. Some of those pyramids are 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years old, and there they are in their glory, as beautiful as ever. You know, you think about Moses, if you think about Abraham, if you think about, you know, people who went on before us, Melchizedek, these are the pyramids of people. And till today, those pyramids are there in their glory. We read about them, we get to know about them, and were they perfect? No, they weren't perfect. They had their flaws, like, like we all have our flaws, but they corrected those flaws as much as they can, could, and they built for something that would last forever. And so their stories are handed down from generation to generation, told from parents to kids, and they're just as wonderful today as they were from the day they, they, you know, they were told the very first time. These are the pyramids of life, and this is what we want to build. We don't want to build a thatch hut that as soon as we die, the story's over, deteriorates, and turns back into earth. That's not longevity, especially for the church. What's really interesting is that we don't even know how they made those pyramids, but they're there. The truth is there of the matter, but we don't know the truth how to get there. And that's just phenomenal to me because it's there. Truth is there. And we don't know how to build it yet, which is so interesting. But think about, I mean, if you really think about the pyramids and the marvel of the pyramids, you know, some of those have endured three and 4,000 years of earthquakes. And they're still right. there. They've been gone. They've gone through so many trouble. Like, it's insane. You think about this pandemic right now of COVID, that, that could be a physical or a spiritual earthquake. Are we going to last through it? Some people haven't lasted through it. And so, you know, that's where it's so important that we can understand those metaphors, because when we do build on truth and we really look for the true truth, not the truths that we make up, but the truth that allow us to make a pyramid that, that endures 4,000 years, that's an absolute truth. We can see the evidence of it, whether we know how they did it or not. We see the evidence of their work. We want to build a life like that. And that means we've got to get into the word of God. We've got to read, especially the most important parts of the scriptures are Jesus' own words. Because he lays out the groundwork of what we're to build on. And so we need to read that both in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. We need to be in prayer asking God, help me understand what you want me to see, not what I want to see. Because if we're, if we're looking at it from trying to discover our truth, well, you know, yeah, you can put sticks in cement, but they're not going to be enduring. And so the idea here is not to look for something that works. The idea is to look for what works best and gives me an enduring future. That's the best truth out there. It's the truth that's going to allow me to be happy in my old age and allow my children and my grandchildren to be happy to the third and fourth generation, it says, to those who serve God. That's the promise of truth. It's an amazing promise. Also, another thing. So 
you said that um I keep losing my thoughts but so essentially what I was thinking was that through you know what <laughs> I lost it again I keep forgetting about things okay so let's just go to the last one because I might bring it back to it but I don't actually remember what I was thinking so what do you think being a truth seeker is the name of this podcast is truth seekers what do you think it really is means well the the most critical thing to me in searching for truth is taking out the pride of self uh the most dangerous thing we can do is the pride and arrogance of self and the scripture talks about this that a prideful and an arrogant man you know his path is to destruction and so first thing we have to do is we have to take out the pride. We have to be willing to ask. We have to be willing to talk. We have to be willing to seek. And like I said, we have to start in the groundwork of reading Jesus Christ's words. As we read his words and we learn, uh, we are beginning at the fountain of all truth because Jesus Christ is the word. And that's very important because when we say the word, what we're really saying is he's the whole alphabet, so to speak the alpha and the omega. He is every word in the dictionary. He has everything put together, no matter which way you roll the words, he is everything. And so when we want absolute truth, we've got to go to him. He is the wellspring where it all comes from, but he's also the truth. And that's important. So as we go through the different things we learn and we discover truths, our best goal is to be discovering them with him because we are the truth that we discover will take us to true joy. If we don't put Jesus Christ at the base of this, there's another scripture verse here that I have that I, I wanted to read. And it's in second Timothy chapter three, verse seven. And it speaks of another type of seeker. And it says third, uh, second Nephi chapter three, verse seven, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so there's another seeker. But this seeker, because his base isn't Jesus Christ, he can never discover what he has means. And so, you know, it's like having a hat full of letters from a Scrabble game, and you dump those letters out on the table, and, you know, what does it spell? What's the sentence you created? Well, there's none. It doesn't happen right. that way. But the seeker who is not starting with Jesus Christ, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to dump that hat out a million times and discover what truth is. It doesn't work that way. You can dump that hat out 2 million times and you'll never discover the truth of life. And so a true seeker of truth has to begin with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him through reading his words, praying to him, fasting. And the important thing of fasting is our pride and our arrogance. It's really Again, sacrificing, because right? It's the sacrifice. He, our our pride is like a raging bull. Yeah. If it's not tamed, it'll get out of hand and it'll destroy us. And so we've got to tame it. The way we tame that raging bull is through the sacrifice. And that sacrifice is on many levels when it comes down to fasting. Uh, yeah, it can be food uh, and drink. If that's what is our greatest temptation, it can be many things, depending on what our temptations are. You know, fasting from caffeine, fasting from energy drinks, or whatever it is that may be our drive in life, uh, you know, 
fiction, reading, uh, whatever it is, we have to set those things aside and dedicate a moment to God, to truth. And as we discover that truth and we come closer to God, everything else becomes clearer and we begin to see better. And so, you know, at first I would say it's a lot like a pinhole camera. The, it opens and it closes. We get a, a glimpse through the process. Each time as we grow in truth, the shutter opens a little bit longer, stays open a little bit longer, shuts, and we see a little bit more. And so as we continue to progress, pretty soon we have a very clear understanding of truth. And that's kind of what a truth seeker is. It's a person that's not just learning for the sake of learning, but they've centered that learning on Jesus Christ as the rock. And they're learning from there, walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ by choice, knowing that I of myself can discover a lot of things, but they may be meaningless in the long run if I don't have Jesus Christ to give me the, the, the understanding of those truths. Right. We can't let the natural man, the enemy of God, take over and try to find the truth for our own good. It's for the good of having this relationship with truth, which is Jesus Christ, is having this amazing bond and not letting that natural man, that pride in us, take control. And back to the question that I just forgot was, okay, so we have this trust. I mean, truth. We have this trust in this truth that we know this is truth. We know this is absolute truth. But the step, okay, so if you're on the lowest level and you can see that the person on the highest level and what they're doing, and you don't know all the steps to get there, I'm thinking that, the steps on trusting that what that person on the highest level is, is faith. So you're having this faith in the absolute truth. When you're at the bottom, you're having this faith on the absolute truth. Does that make sense? Or would you want to rephrase that anyway? Uh, what you're really talking about is understanding the difference between good faith players and bad faith players. And that's what we're beginning to learn as we are on the bottom steps and looking up. We're looking up and trying to discover good faith players. Now, a good faith player, let's just take an example of Brother Don McIndoe who has passed away. You know, to me, he was a very good faith player. Now, he was on a level, perhaps several steps, perhaps many, many steps above where I am personally. But, you know, I'm looking at all those steps and I'm saying, okay, is that necessary? Well, I look at his life and I look at what he did. I look at what he said. I look at his actions and I say, wait a minute. He was a good faith player. He did not deceive. He did not try to deceive. He tried to tell the truth as he knew it. I'm following him, so to speak. I mean, obviously, we're all trying to follow Christ first and foremost. But in following Christ, we're also following those good faith players because they're showing us the steps that are right ahead of us, per se. Whereas when we look at Christ, he's, you know, at the top of the stairway, and that's a long ways off, it can seem. Uh, a bad faith player can seem for a moment to be on the right path, can even seem to be a few steps above us from time to time. But as we look at their life, we begin examining them as individuals, and maybe we find moments where they were on purpose 
untruthful, when they on purpose were deceptive, where on purpose they were trying to discover ways to, you know, uh, cheat the system and try to go higher or cheat the system or whatever. And so now we see that's not a good faith player. That's a bad faith player. That's not the person I want to follow. It may seem they were able to jump five steps in one go and get to where they are. But the reality is they don't have a good foundation. Uh, this happens at school. You know, when you have kids that copy other people's answers during, you know, the first formative years of schooling, pretty soon they get up to algebra. And guess what? They never learned the groundwork. Now they're faced with these algebra problems. They can't cheat. They can't copy someone else's answers. And they don't know how to answer them because they never learned the rules. They never if went we through the process. The rules, that's right. If we go through the process, we continue growing. If we don't go through the prof process, yeah, maybe we did jump five steps or 10 steps, but now we're stuck. We can't move on. And how many people do you find that? They're praying and they're fasting according to themselves and God's never answering them. You see, they didn't grow appropriately. Now they're in the spot where they're doubting God. They're doubting the Bible. They're doubting the Book of Mormon. Maybe they're leaving the church because they took this leap and didn't grow into it. We've got to grow into it. That's, it's so vital in our life. What do you think would happen if we actually jump? Well, okay, so jump into it like, okay, so saying you have faith, Peter walking on water, a lot of people think that's faith. But would, so that is faith, but how would that work out? So jumping out with faith without knowing the truth about it, without walking the process, how does that work? You see, you see, you yeah. see this goes back to some of our earlier comments. If you don't know the process, you can't break the rule. Gravity's the rule. You can't break the rule till you understand it. Peter did step out of the boat on faith. The problem is he didn't understand the rule yet. And so as soon as he got out there and the waves started rushing up to him, he got distracted. He didn't understand that in order to break the rule, you've got to keep your eyes on Christ because Christ is the only one who can help us walk on water, whether you're talking uh, physically or whether you're talking <coughs> metaphorically, it doesn't matter. We've got to keep our eyes focused on him by keeping our eyes focused on him we can defeat the odds, so to speak, of this life. And, and that's what Peter was doing. He stepped out in faith, but he got distracted because he didn't know the rules. And you cannot break the rules unless you know the rules. Just like understanding why rebar is in the wall. If you don't understand why it's there, you can't just take it out and hope for success. Now, if you know right. why it's there and what it's doing, yeah, you can take it out and replace it with something maybe better. So we should be going through all our lives and really figuring out why this thing is in our lives. Like, what is the truth of the matter with using a, let's say a shirt or a, or a blanket to sleep with? What, why do we use a blanket to sleep with when it's cold out? To keep us warm. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know the truth of why you use the blanket, you really can't cheat the system and figure out that you can just Use a heat warmer and use, put up the heat pretty much, <laughs> which is That's interesting. a simple example, yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm trying to put it as simple as possible, but. 
Yeah. And, and that's true of everything in life. Right. So we should be trying to put things as, po- as simple as possible. Do you think we should be putting things as simple as possible for the people that won't understand the higher things? Okay, so I think it's I think it's very important to be clear. Being clear. Because right. when we're clear, those that want to know can know. But the thing that we have to be very careful about, we never want to grab someone, so to speak, by the cuff, uh, scuff of the neck and put them on a higher level by force. Back to your earlier uh, comment about the guy in the Matrix, the pilot of the Nebuchadnezzar. He was where he was without the choice to be there. So what did he want to do? He wanted to get back into the matrix because he found that getting out of the matrix didn't bring him happiness. He didn't understand the why. And so he wanted to plug back in. And unfortunately, that's what happens to people if you give them too much knowledge too fast. This is why God spoke in parables. This is why he gave us prophecies that are symbolic and metaphorical because we've got to struggle to learn them. And so, you know, if I just came out with a new YouTube series, per se, giving all the mysteries of revelations and laying them out as clear as possible, I would be helping people advance to a level they didn't earn. They wouldn't understand the why. It might be very valuable to them, but it's actually most valuable teaching them how to find the why. Because when I teach them how to find the why and the answer for that, they can open up revelations and find the mysteries inside of it. Now they're working themselves up personally uh, in their own studies and knowledge. And when they get to a certain understanding, they earned it, so to speak. And that's important in the church because the strength of the church is that we are all confidently sitting on knowledge that we know and we earn. If we didn't earn it, then it's not solid. And And so what happens is when tribulations of life come, we abandon the ship. And that's why a lot of companies over one or two generations, they fail because they have lost the why. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. So I think we should wrap this up. It's been, it's been an hour. I'm actually quite impressed. <laughs> didn't feel like you did it. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> when you seek for truth, I guess time passes as slow as possible. And that's what I find actually in all aspects of searching for truth. When you're really searching for it with Christ as the center, it's actually a really fun thing to do. It really is. It's actually yeah. enjoyable. So. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I will be putting up new podcasts every week, hopefully. And I hope you can be in a lot of them because this was an amazing conversation. And I really hope a lot of people can learn a lot of things from it. What do you want to well, make any last comments I'm here? And I'm hoping people will learn something. Yes. That's the ultimate goal of this whole podcast, helping people. Do you have any yeah. last comments? No, I'm good for the moment. All right. Let's go and seek truth. Let's go be truth seekers. All right. All right. God bless. God bless you too.